Before we get into the message, we're going to have a little quick community moment. And so if you're new to our church, you get to kind of sit and go behind the scenes with us as a family and see what makes this whole thing go round. And at the end of December, we were in our end of the year campaign. And uh, it takes January for us to tally up all the um, the results as people are giving and helping us towards our goals. So I want to help you guys see what guy was doing um, by the end of 2023 in our giving and the work of God in our church. So here, I want to give you guys an end of the year report. Uh, number one thing to celebrate is uh, in 2023, we saw a 14% growth in our church against 2022. Yeah, God's good. God's good. And it it highlights something really important. As, uh, as good looking as you are and as attractive and compelling as you are, uh, people are hungrier today for God than they have ever been. And we're going to talk a little bit about that and look at some of the stats on that fact. Fact. People are hungry for God. People are coming to church, 14%, right? That's a lot. Number two, this last year, by the end of the year, we saw 1.5% growth in givers. 1.5 is better than 0.0. So 1.5 is... Praise God. We got people who are joining the team, uh, deciding, okay, this is not a cult, and uh, I'm going to sit down and make this my home. Praise God. So we're grateful for that. And uh, we, we were going to the end of the year with our goal of reaching 750K. Um, you know, to do all this great stuff that we get to do together, we got 550,000. That's over half a million dollars in. Let's just thank God for that one. Yeah, that's a lot of generosity. Actually, uh, this surprised me. I, I didn't think we would get this much. It's, it's been a crazy year. I know financially a lot of people are, are concerned, and um, so I was blown away when I saw how much had come in. That's about 75% of our goal, which I'm really happy about. Um, but look, there's 200K left to hit. So if you feel like, oh man, I missed out on the fun, <laughs> then I want, I want you to jump in. I want to invite you to jump in. Now, okay, pause for a minute little uh, metaphor. Church is like a potluck, okay? And, you know, at a potluck, some people bring the potato salad, some people bring the mac and cheese, some people are bringing their, their, their fresh, fresh baked bread, and you got the people that bring the bag of chips, you know? Praise God, bless them. They brought what they could. So maybe we're grateful that they didn't try to cook for us, whatever. Point is, this whole thing is like a potluck, and it happens because everybody's pitching and everybody's in on it. So if you were calling this church your home, I want to invite you to be a part of it. You don't need to give compared to what other people give or give beyond what you have. You just, just give what, out of what you got. So a couple ways. Number one, you may want to chip in and say, I missed the party. I want to help with that 200. Great. You can do that. We'll still receive it. Uh, number two, you may want to jump in on our team and start giving on a regular basis. That's a really big area of need for us. Those regular gifts that people give, that they give on a monthly, quarterly, whatever, is what allows Bob and I to project our income as a church. It allows us to base salaries on. So when we see, hey, our regular giving's at this level, okay, if that regular income is here, then our regular outflow, how we pay our staff, if can we give them a raise or not, can we hire new people, that's where we are looking at, right? We're looking at our regular income. So that kind of stuff really makes a difference for us. Um, what else? Uh, oh yeah, there will be, so what do we do when we don't hit those numbers? Well, we pray. Um, we are a transparent church and I really want you to see this not as like, oh my gosh, we need help. More like transparency so you know where we're at as a church and how you can be a part of helping. 
Um, but we're going to be doing like a slight reduction in all, across the board in all of our ministries. So there will be a little bit of a reduction. That's not totally unexpected. Uh, there's a lot of ministries and churches that are going through something similar. But once again, you may just be sensing God just nudging you to start giving because this is your church, number two, to, you know, to help us towards our 200K, whatever the case is, God is on the move and he's working here. And I'm grateful for that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for all that you're doing in this church and not just in the church, but outside the walls of the church, through the church, creating a place for families to gather in the community, a place for people to overcome addiction, a place for people to grieve the loss of loved ones, a place for people to get married, to have memorial services for their kids to hear the gospel in a family that doesn't know Jesus. God, there's so much going on here and we're grateful. What a privilege we have to steward this gift of community for such a time as this. We just now open our hearts and our lives. God, show us where you want us to be on the field and be on this team. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, you guys, for listening. All right. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you. Um, Okay, so a little bit of background. We're going to go into our passage. We're starting a new series called Well Said. This series is based on one encounter between Jesus and a woman and all the sort of ripple effect that happens as a result of this moment. Now, uh, what I love about this story and sitting in it for a month is that it's about 50 verses long. Normally in one message, you could never cover this whole story, but we're gonna take it piece by piece through this month, and I want this month to be a period of time where we are just sitting in God's love for people who are far from God. Jesus is passionate, sacrificial, unyielding, winsome, love for people who are far from the Father. And my hope is, as we sit in his love for those who are far from the Father, that it will touch our lives, it will awaken our hearts, and we will get touched and filled with his love for those that God has put around us. Now, trust me, I know, reaching out to other people and sharing our faith is one of the scariest things we could do. They say that the number one fear in the country is public speaking, number two, is like heights, right? Or something like that. I don't know, you can go look it up. I forget what it is now. But public speaking is number one, but I think uh, sharing our faith has gotta be up there, top five. And if you're not a Christian, you should know this. As Christians, we we believe that Jesus loves you, he's pursuing you, and we're called to be a part of that. But the truth is, non-believer in the room, we don't wanna make you uncomfortable, we don't wanna offend you, but we do want you to know that God is pursuing you. So. We're trying to figure out how do we step out in a way that honors the relationship, the friendship, but also is faithful to God's pursuit of you. That's what we're gonna meditate on through this story. We're gonna come at it through the moment where Jesus has been left alone by his disciples. He's tired, he's hungry, he's he's on a journey back up to Galilee, which showed the map. I wanna give you context of what we're gonna pick up. The disciples have been down in Jerusalem. They're making their way up to Galilee where most of his ministry is happening at this time. And they're gonna, they could go around Samaria. Now the problem with Samaria are the Samaritans, right? Those guys and people that the Jews don't like. Think Palestine today. Same level of hostility, animosity. I won't go into the historical background. You can look that up. But the Samaritan area is an area of people who ethnically, culturally and religiously don't align with the Jews and their beliefs and their ways of seeing the world. Jesus, in this passage, is going to bring a new way of seeing the world and others that is going to shake these disciples to their core. 
Rather than going around, he goes through. He stops. He's tired. He's hungry. The disciples say, hey, Jesus, chill out. We'll go into town and get some food. While they're gone, Jesus has a conversation with a woman. We're going to come to that conversation next week. This week, we're going to pick up at that moment where the disciples return, and they're like, oh, no, Jesus, what have you been doing? All right, let's read right there. So, the disciples go into town to get food. When they come back, this is what they find. Verse 27, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then at leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town. Can you picture it? The town is coming out and making their way to Jesus. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Yeah, gotta love these guys. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work. You have reaped the benefits of their labor. This is God's word for us today. You know, the disciples are coming back and they're thinking, oh, we thought we could leave Jesus alone for a moment. Now look what he's gone and done. Started a you know, war. Who knows what's going on? This woman's running off to town and they are so uncomfortable by this moment. I love the little detail. They don't even want to ask what happened because they just want to pretend like it didn't happen and let's move on. Sometimes God is at work and we don't want to ask. We don't want to know. We want to just ignore it, right? Oh God, I don't know what you're doing there, but let's pretend like we didn't see that. And we want to just keep walking on. What they find surprises and shocks them. We'll talk about that surprise in a minute. In verse 35, here's the verse I want us to really think about as we go into this passage and through this series. Verse 35, he says, let's read it out loud together. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. That right there is a paradigm shift, a life-changing, paradigm-shifting perspective on reality. In this moment, Jesus is inviting us to have a whole new perspective of reality. What if you walked out of here today and saw yourself, the people in your life, in the world, and God himself through that lens? Jesus wants to open our eyes to see what he's doing. See, God is at work and he wants to open eyes to see not just the material world, but what is going on behind the scenes so that we can be a part of what he's doing. I love this invitation because Jesus is at work in people's lives and he has created us to join him. Look at Luke 19.10 right here where Jesus defines his own purpose. He says, for the son of man came to seek and to save the, the lost. Now, 
If you're thinking, what's that whole loss thing about? It's not meant to be a put down, oh, your loss means you're lame. Loss is not lame. You know, I came to seek and save all the, the lame people who can't get their acts straight, who can't be good enough, who can't figure out who God is. No, 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 no. What he's saying here is, when he says he came to seek and save the lost, it's a communication of God's love and desire for those who don't have relationship with him. He's saying that if you're not in relationship with your maker, your creator, with God Almighty, then you are lost and separated from the most important relationship you were made for. Okay, we're made for relationship. It's a little bit like this one time when we were at um, the YMCA, big soccer tournament, arena soccer tournament outdoors over here at Maddo and Eki. Tons of kids. My, my, my son is about five years old, and uh, he decides all in an instant to disappear on us. Next thing you know, he's just gone from my side, and it's tons of people. Like we were literally squeezing through. Could not find him anywhere. We're looking everywhere. We got people to help us look for him. 20 minutes into not finding him, Come on, parents, are you with me? I'm freaking out. And it doesn't matter how calm you are as an individual, at that moment, every parent is thinking worst case scenario. Someone snatched them. Oh my gosh. And you start picturing things that you don't want to picture, and you're freaking out. We're looking, looking. Then we find him. He's hiding in a bush, and he thinks it's funny, and he's been hiding in there on purpose. <laughs> I did what I did. What I've learned to do in a moment when I'm upset, I don't react. I just stayed calm. Okay, okay, I'm going to think about this one. (laughs) Went home. Now, I'm not recommending this parent move. I'm just telling you. I'm not recommending. I'm just, maybe it's a confession. I don't know. We went home. I called him in my office. Hey, son, come in here. I said, look at all these pictures right here. All these, look at these, look at this kid right here. Oh, look at that kid. And we're scrolling tens and tens of kids. I go, all these kids are missing and have been kidnapped. (laughs) <laughs> I got, was, that, was that too far? There's some therapist in the room going, yeah, have your son call me. All right, maybe, maybe, maybe. My son's 18 now, and we can laugh about it, but in the moment, I go, son, you got to say, that's what I'm thinking. You can't run and hide from me, because literally, I'm thinking this, and it could happen. You can't just take off. You're a little guy. You're like the size of a football. Someone's, boom, you're gone. They're gone. And uh, Lost. God is searching for you if you are far from him. And this whole passage is about God bringing us into a search party to find those who are far from the Father. And we get to be a part of it. We get to be a part of retrieving sons and daughters who have gone missing. I want to talk about this passage and the way that Jesus wants to open our eyes to three life-changing realities about our life, ourself, the people around us in him, how, how God wants us to see reality. I want to start with verse 27, our first life-changing reality. It says this, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. No one said, asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Life-changing reality, number one, God is already at work. Say it with me. God is already at work in your life, in the life of people around you, in ways that you're not aware of. But think about this incredible startling fact. God is at work in the lives of people in your life, in your network of everyday um, influence. There are women like this one who God is drawing to him 
and he's inviting you to be a part of what he's doing. I wonder, what does it do to you to think that right now there's someone in your life that you know that is like this woman? We're going to talk about that and the statistics around it. But first, God is at work, and what do the disciples do? When they come back, they're like, oh, of course, Jesus, we knew you'd be doing this. No, it says they're surprised. Let's talk about that. The Greek word surprise is the word thumazo. It means to be astonished and amazed. It can be used positively and it can be used negatively, right? So it's used positively when Jesus heals people. They're like thumazod. Wow, look at that person. They're healed, right? Thumazod. Um, when Jesus rises from the dead, thumazod. Thumazo is the reaction that people have when they're surprised at the fact that God is working around them in ways they didn't see at first. Okay, think, for example, like when I was... Um, younger and I was accruing credit card debt because I was on a ministry budget. And rather than just throw another charge on the credit card, we had to replace our fridge. We decided, my wife and I just had to pray about it. So let's just stop doing that. Let's pray. We prayed. And no kidding. It doesn't usually happen this way. This was one of those moments. That day, um, a guy shows up, a friend, someone we just kind of know, and shows up at our door and says, I just felt like God wanted me to give you guys a check for your refrigerator. No joke. Gives us a check right there. Boom. We were like, wow. Yeah, it was just that weird, just startling, just cut us off guard. God is at work, and it can surprise us, right? That wasn't a sad surprise, like, oh. That was like, yes, thank you, Lord. It was humbling. When Jesus rises from the dead, people are thumazod. When, when at Pentecost, when they're praying in other languages and people can understand them, they're thumazod. They're surprised, right? You can throw a little Italian accent in there if you like. <laughs> thumazod. It's exciting to think that God is at work already and that we don't have to generate that, but he is already at work. So what does it mean if God is already at work? He is at work in this woman's life. The disciples are not making it. They're not generating it. They are stepping into it. We're going to talk a little bit in a minute about the challenges we have to step in. But first, God is at work. So what do we do? I love in her book, Stay Salt, Becky Pippert, one of my favorite books on evangelism. If you want to grow and witness, I want to challenge you to read this book. Um, let's go to the very last slide, guys. There's a picture of her book. I forgot last service. I don't want to forget. Here it is. You know, if you want to like stoke your fire and get your courage up, I want to challenge you right now. Think about maybe getting a friend or two, reading this book, Stay Salt, and uh, read it together and start praying this prayer that I'm about to share with you. So, if God is already at work, and it's not up to us to go manufacture that work in other people, but to get up in on it, what do we do? This is what Becky talks about in her book. She had just come to faith. She was in college, had not even read the whole Bible yet, didn't know there was a book of Acts in the Bible, didn't know all the gospel writers' names, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but she prayed this prayer. Let's go up to the next slide. Here it is. So I asked God to guide me to people that he was seeking. I like that. Okay, I like that because God is already seeking and working in people's lives around us. And he's, she's praying, God, show me and lead me to them. I want to join what you're doing. And then she goes on and she prays, um, so I asked God to guide me to people that he was seeking in my dorm, my classes, where my knife 
Life naturally intersected with people. Where does your life naturally intersect with people? Come on now, bring it to mind. Okay, maybe it's pickleball. Yo, bro, pickleball. It could be, I got a guy today who was just telling me today in his jujitsu class, he was just seasoning these little God moments. He would just talk about, oh yeah, I was at church. Oh yeah, God this. Oh yeah, prayer that. Just dropping little God things. And pretty soon it struck up conversation. And pretty soon somebody's getting baptized. Come on now. It's not rocket science. I think our fear makes it feel, oh yeah, we can clap. Yeah, praise God. Yeah, that was just coming in to service today. Someone just shared that little story, and I was like, wow. It can be like that because God's already at work. God's already moving. So if we're looking at our networks and going, how can God use me? That prayer opens us to begin to see what God's doing. Don't be like Ryan. Um, do you guys remember a while back I recommended Corner Pizza? I was talking about that nice, crispy pizza. And so everybody went to Corner Pizza that weekend, right? Flooded the place. And someone from our church ran into somebody who was working there, and they go, what's everyone doing here? Oh, we're from North Coast. This guy Ryan told us about this church, uh, pizza place. It's like, oh, I know Ryan. He was the coach of my daughter's soccer team. That guy's a Christian? <laughs> I was just like, oh, man. Oh, that was embarrassing. I was like, ooh, embarrassing. You know, truth, I got a little, maybe caught up in winning some games and uh, forgot Jesus. Jesus, you say over here, I got some soccer games to win with some 10-year-old wreck girls, you know. But in all seriousness, when we start to pray like this, God, open my eyes and guide me. I am telling you, if you pray that for this month of February, I'm telling you right now, I will buy you coffee if this doesn't come up true for you. I'm serious, I'm, I'm serious. If you pray daily, God, guide me and show me where you're at work. God is gonna start to do stuff. If you wanna feel the excitement of God moving in your life, don't just spend more hours in Bible study. Don't just read another book. I'm telling you right now, Start to pray that simple prayer, God, guide me, God, show me, and God is going to start to bring people into your life, not because he wants to make them a project, but because he is passionate about them, and he has put them in your life to be his presence to them, to be a guide. Start praying that prayer. Where does your life naturally intersect with people? So what I love about this first point, that God is already at work, number one, the pressure is off. Say it with me. The pressure is off. You don't have to do all the selling. You don't have to be a salesman. You don't have to sell, push, or convince somebody. You just have to step into what God's doing. And you're asking God to guide you. You're just throwing out the seed. Oh, yeah, hey, I was praying the other day. Oh, I was at church the other day. Oh, yeah, you know, it's in my Bible study. And people are like, okay, okay. This person's a, this person's a Christian person. All right, I was, um, I swim, right? I swim masters at the pool. And this guy comes up to me and he goes, bro, you need to pray for me today. I'm in a bad mood. <laughs> and I go, hey, all right. That's better than the soccer team, right? This guy knows I'm a Christian and he knows I'm a pastor. So I'm doing better. I'm doing better. He can ask me for prayer. Um, we're not trying to force anything here at this church. And I don't think Jesus wants you either to do that either. God is already working. We're called to join him and that's freeing and it's exciting. All right, um, 
Let's move on to the next point. I want to talk about number one, God is already at work. Let's talk about this. The harvest is ripe, okay? The harvest is ripe. Now, we're not agricultural people, most of us. So I want to explain that. Verse 35, don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. So I want to ask, what does Jesus mean by this? What does it mean that the harvest is ripe? The moment, come on now, the moment, she said, is now. That's right. Now, I want to explain why he says that. When he says the moment is now, what Jesus is talking about is the fact that the gospel has now arrived through him. That's what Jenna was talking about during communion. Doesn't she do a good job of laying out the gospel? I mean, she brought it right there. She just preached the gospel. And through Jesus, the good news that God is removing every barrier between us and God so that anyone, not just if you're Jewish, not just if you're circumcised, Anyone and everyone who believes in him can be saved and restored to relationship with God. That is good news. So why is the time right? Because Jesus has come and the gospel is here. And if you're a believer, it is in your heart. So it's time. Come on, that's good news. Yeah, yeah. Number two. The reason why the harvest is ripe is this is one of my favorite ones because the people are ready. Now, this is what he's saying. I'm going to back this up. There are more people ready to learn about Jesus than you realize, and there are people who are more ready than you're recognizing. Let me say that again. There are more people who are ready, and there are, there are, more, or there are people who are more ready than you recognize. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you think that's true? Do you think that there are people in your life right now that you have not been aware of yet, but are ready and need a friend, someone they trust to open up spiritual conversation with them, to just start to open the door in their life? Do you think that there's someone in your life who is ready to start talking about Jesus with you? How confident are you that there's someone in your life? Well, before you answer that, I want you to look at these statistics and then reassess. You see, Jesus said this in Matthew 9.37. Look at Matthew 9.37. He said this. Here's a lens on reality. Let's read it out loud. The harvest is scarce. No. <laughs> you know, I like to play with you guys. He didn't say the harvest is scarce. The harvest is sparse. The harvest is thin. And the laborers are many. He said, no, it's the opposite. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are. What that means is there are more people who are ready, and there are people who are more ready. What Jesus is saying is, I just don't have people who will go out and take the risk. That's the problem. Check out Barna. Maybe Jesus has got something here. You know, it's, it's tempting to not believe him because we see all the reasons why People are not ready. But look at what Barna did a recent, recent research this last year, just in the last year, 2023. This is what they found. They interviewed 2,000 non-believers. They found 75% of them want to grow spiritually. What that means is three out of four of your friends who are not believers, people that you intersect with on a daily basis, want to grow spiritually. Did you know that? Did you know that? They want to grow. 
They want something to happen spiritually in their life. Number two, 77% believe in a higher power. Now that's something to work with. I know that's not, they believe in Jesus, but they believe in a higher power. They believe there's a spiritual reality and they're wondering, how can I connect with that power? Isn't that encouraging? Is that more than you thought? I should have done a little game. Take a guess. That would have been fun. Maybe I'll do that tonight. Scare, you know, surprise them. 44% say they are more open to God today than before the pandemic. More open since the pandemic. That's amazing, right? Okay, does that mess in with you at all? That means... Three out of four people you know in your life who are not yet believers want to grow spiritually, believe in a higher power, and are more open to God today. I mean, come on. Maybe Jesus wasn't crazy after all. Maybe he knew what he was talking about. The harvest is plentiful. Come on. That's, I think that's exciting. Look at this great quote. Um, by Becky Pippert. She says this. I love this quote. She says, secularism does not have the power to erase our human longings for meaning and worth. If anything, it increases them. What I love about that statement is that when we see people who are far from God, who are living their lives without God, sometimes if we're honest as believers, we can be deceived into thinking, yeah, I don't think they need God. They're just so good looking and so successful. Look at them. The way that guy surfs and just glides and hits that... I don't think he needs God. I mean, look at this woman. Look at her over here. She's crushing it. She's got her career. Her kids are perfectly dressed. She does not need Jesus. She's good. And we can fall into the deception because we forget that secularism, living in the world without God, no matter what benefits we get out of it, can never erase in their hearts that longing for God. That means no matter how convincing they're trying to be, Deep down, they are yearning for God. And if you're here today, maybe you came here because you wanted to get your spouse off your back or you lost a bet with your friend and you're here at church, hey, welcome, we're glad you're here. Um, but maybe if you're honest with yourself, there's a little part of you that's curious about God. Even a little curious. Own it. Because you know what? You're not alone. There are more people in the world who are curious and hungry about God, then they're not. It's a, it's a spiritually, it's a target-rich environment. So many opportunities waiting for us to step into. Okay, so that's number two, right? So number one, God is already at work. We don't got to force it. Pressure's off. Number two, the harvest is ripe. There's actually more people ready and people who are more ready than we realize. So that's pretty exciting. Remember, three out of four people you meet want to know God, are curious. You with me? Okay. If you don't believe Jesus, at least believe Barna and the interview and the surveys. Number three, you are sent to reap. That's my third one. Life-changing one. This is going to mess with you. Brace yourself because this is where you show up. Verse 37, thus the saying, one sows, another reaps is true. I sent you to, to reap. Oh, you didn't say that very boldly. I know, this is a hard one, but let's say it again. I sent you to what you have not worked for. What could he mean by that? Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Let me tell you an example. 
When I came to faith, I stood up, you've heard this story at a Greg Laurie concert. If you're new and you're not a believer, I want you to hear this story. Maybe you'll see some of you in me. I went to, I used to go to these Christian gatherings that Christians would invite me to, and I was super uncomfortable. They would do that worship thing, that Christian karaoke thing that they call worship. And then the guy would get up there and give a speech, and I'd be like, all right, all right. And, um, but after a while, if I was honest, it was starting to get through to me. And there was a day when the, the preacher made an invitation. Do you want to accept Jesus as your Savior and Lord? Do you want to make a decision? In, in dating terms, it is, do you want to define the relationship? Right? It's like when I proposed to my wife, like, hey, we're hanging out, but you've got to say something. You can't just be like, hey, and smile and hug really tight. Eventually, you're going to say something. So this was my moment of commitment. All right, God, I'm in. I want to be close to you. I want to let you in my life. Now, if you saw that moment, you'd be like, wow, look at that preacher. He was so powerful. He convinced Ryan to stand up. What an amazing preacher. And no doubt, Greg Laurie, what a preacher of God's word. But what maybe you wouldn't know is everyone else who God was using in my life to even get there. Number one, Kevin Otsuji, want to give you a shout out if you watch this message, who was on my soccer team, was sharing his faith with me, right? For you, it's pickleball, it's jujitsu, it's on the sidelines at your kids' flag football. For me, it was on my soccer team, and my friend Kevin invited me to my first Christian event, the Harvest Crusade. Yeah, talk about jumping into the deep end on your first go. <laughs> then there was another friend who didn't know Kevin at all at school in my in my honors math class, Nancy Lee, Joy de Guzman, sharing their faith with me, talking to me about God, asking me questions, right? And then there was my best friend, Payson, who went on to get a 4.0 in physics and become a patent lawyer, wicked smart guy, but he could help me throw all my intellectual barriers and doubts, and we would talk about and debate apologetics together. Those are the people that were little by little sowing seed into my life, what Jesus is saying here is you are sent to reap. Get it, get it in your mind. God, if you are a Christian, has anointed you, has filled you for the purpose of helping people come to faith in him. You are more than that, but you are never less than that. You are more than that, but you are never less than that. Every one of you has been anointed to be a part of people coming to faith. Your faith it's like a flower that has seeds and it wants to spread and multiply. The only way you're not multiplying is if you are afraid and keeping it in. You're literally having to take the light in you and hide it somewhere. Like Ryan, no one knew I was, a pa I was in ministry and a Christian on that team. Not because I was really afraid of what they would think. I was focused on the wrong thing. Pay attention. The disciples, what are they doing? They're going to town. They're going to get food for Jesus. Isn't that a good thing? They're going to get food for Jesus. How much more on point can you be as a Christian? I mean, he's right there, and I'm going to get food for him. They come back, we got your food, Jesus. And she's like, I'm not interested in that. I already had my food. And they're like, what? They are so caught up in the good thing that they missed the most important thing. Now, believers, this is for believers. Non-believers, just chill for a second. Believers. God has anointed you and filled you to be a part of this eternal work that he's doing in people's lives. 
and eternity is at stake. Let's have a heart-to-heart for a moment. This is not about joining a club. This is not about wanting people just to feel better. This is the difference between heaven and hell. This is the difference between life and death. This is the difference between living with God forever and losing God forever. Are you with me? The Christian life isn't motivated out of fear. It's motivated out of love. But even the most pure and noble love has a healthy and right fear. And that fear, the fear of God, says this, that we cannot live without God. It doesn't just mean we don't have something to do on Sunday morning. It means the truest, most eternal part of us dies without him. And he's inviting us to be a part, which is why I had to show my son that list of those kids who have been kidnapped. Son, this was not a game of hide and seek. You getting lost could be serious. And it's not about a condemnation or some kind of hellfire and brimstone kind of scare tactic. It's just about an honest assessment of reality. Sin takes lives. And so we want to bring the only antidote, the only name that can save to people's lives. Are you with me? Because the name of Jesus, there's no other name by which we are saved. It's, it's not going to be Taylor Swift. I, you know, hey. Whoa. I know. Some people are ready to walk out right now. That was borderline heresy. Respects to Taylor Swift. I even found a song that I think I like. My daughter's been on a mission. You know, we got all kinds of people that we look to for our salvation. In our careers, gurus, teachers, musicians, entertainment, our spouses, our kids, they are blessings, they are gifts, but only one saves, and that is Jesus Christ. It's a process. We are sent to reap. That doesn't mean turning people into projects. Because the pressure's off. You don't got to save anybody. You can't. Get this. That we're sent to reap is not turning people into projects. It is joining Jesus in his passion for people. Can you imagine? I can't find my son. Will you help me? No, I'm not going to turn that kid into a project. That's minimizing him. That is degradating him. No, he's a human being, and he has a right to be lost. (laughs) Sure, he does, but darn if I'm not going to go looking for him. And so I think there's a little bit of truth in that for us, too. It's not turning people into projects. It's joining Jesus in his passion. Uh, You're going to find through this series that if you will join Jesus in reaching others with his love, you're going to become a better friend. What if, okay, I'm going to challenge you in this month. So let's see, we'll see it together. As we watch Jesus with this woman, I promise you that if you join Jesus in what he's doing in their life, you are going to become a better friend, a better spouse, a better teammate, a better coworker than if you don't. What if? What if actually by joining Jesus in his reach into their life, you are going to become a better version of yourself in that relationship, not a worse. Rather than saying, Jesus, you stay over here. I just don't want you to mess things up. Remember when our kids were little, right? And you, I remember my wife, was, she showed up here for a kids' games, and she was holding my son's hand, same son. And they're walking on, you know, and he starts seeing all his friends. The kid is six. And then he starts pulling his hand away. Mom, don't hold my hand. <laughs> you know, big man, big man. 
Maybe we get along like that with Jesus. Jesus, yeah, that's cool and all, but why don't you stay here? Don't come into my work with me. Don't come into my play date. No, no, I'm making it embarrass me, right? Isn't that a little bit of truth there? We don't want to get embarrassed by Jesus. But what if it's going to bring out the better version of yourself? All right, I want to get the band up, and as the band comes out, let me just share it close with the story, because we're at that time. Um, 2020 or just recently, I was talking to Kim. I don't know if you guys remember Kim's story, but Kim um, had, been, had gone to church when she was a little girl, but she was sharing this story how she walked away from God, as happens for many of us in life. Sometimes we start with God, but somewhere along the way we get lost. And she says this, I felt God pulling me back to him. It had been about 20 years later, I can't remember how long, but later in her life, she started to feel the tug of God pulling her back to him. And she didn't know where to start. She didn't know what to do. It had been so long since she had been at church. And then out of nowhere, she gets an email. I can't remember if it was an email or a call. I have to get that story, part of the story straight. She gets, she's contacted by an old client that she hasn't seen in, get this, two years. Two, two. This client reaches out and says, hey, um, just want to check up on you. I'm wondering, can I take you out to lunch? She's like, Sure go out to lunch, they have a great time talking. She can tell her friend's nervous that something's on her mind. And so rather than just wrapping up lunch, she says, hey, can we go for a walk? And so they're walking around the strip mall. Something's on her friend's mind. She just asks her, so hey, I can tell something's on your mind. What's up? And her friend just finally comes out with it. I've been praying for you. And God has been putting you on my heart. And I felt I just had to reach out to you and ask you if you know Jesus and if you want to know him. And she starts crying. And her friend, being that sweet, loving, relational person, said, hey, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to push my religion on you. I just, she says, no, 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 you're not pushing anything. I have been looking for a church. I just didn't know where to go. Boom. She's like, come to my church. She comes to North Coast Calvary. This year, she got baptized. God's already at work. In fact, God is not going to make you a pushy, arrogant, judgmental person if you join him in what he's doing. He's going to make you a better version of yourself because you're going to become more like him. Because Jesus is so passionate about those who are far from he was willing to die. We're gonna watch how he makes this woman feel seen and heard and valued, so valued that she runs and gets her whole village to come meet him. That's what happens when we join Jesus. Who could that be for you? Take a moment. Where's God inviting you onto the field? Where's that place of intersection in your life? Maybe the most challenging thing for us to believe is that if we open up our relationships to Jesus, he's actually gonna make it better. I think we get afraid that he's going to mess everything up like a parent messing up our mojo, ruining our vibe, you know, tarnishing our rep. But Jesus, we're going to watch him up close and personal these next three weeks. And the first thing I hope will happen to you is you will fall in love with him all over again. Jesus is just incredible. The way that he can get into people's lives and recover and renew something in them they didn't even know they had. 
Religion is not a superimposing of some agenda on their life. It's a bringing out of their deepest longings and desires because he knows his father put it in there. And he's just retrieving what he knows his father already put in every one of our hearts. And that is a relationship with him. We were created to be with him. My hope is in 2024, two things as we wrap is this. I, I, got, I got an agenda, so I want to share it with you. Number one, my hope is that in 2024, every one of you will see someone take a step towards Jesus this year. Maybe they open up the conversation. Maybe they're willing to pray. Maybe they're willing to just trust you as a believer in their life. Maybe they're willing to come to church. Maybe they're willing to come to Easter service. Maybe they go to Alpha. Maybe they want to do a Bible study with you. Maybe they want to come to faith. I don't know. But my prayer is that every one of you in this room who are hearing this today will have an experience this year where you get to be a part of what God is doing in someone's life around you. Number two, if you're not a believer, my prayer is that your eyes will be open to God's pursuit of you and to see the people in your life who are inviting you as extensions of God's reach into your life. He loves you. And without him, you're lost. And he wants to bring you home. If you have not led someone to faith, or maybe it's been a while and you're nervous, and you're like, what do I do? That's what this series is, this series is going to be about. Next week, we're going to talk about gospel conversations. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to sign up for something that's going to equip you to be relational, natural, to be yourself, but intentional and open to what God is doing in you and through you in a way that's natural to who you are. And uh, next week we'll talk about that and then I'm gonna, we're gonna have different ways for us to get on the field. And I'm hoping you will join Jesus. Okay, I wanna send you out with a blessing. Um, if you need prayer for any reason, prayer team, come on up, we're ready to pray for you. We love you, we wanna pray for you for whatever's going on. Thanks prayer team. Any way in which you can't see that God's at work in your life, and you need to have your eyes open to see God at work for your good, for your glo his glory, come up and let us pray for you. All right. Lord, thank you for your gospel that is in our hearts. Thank you for your spirit that's with us and goes before us. It's preparing people and conversations and moments for us to have. God, I pray that this year, everyone in this room will have opportunity to help someone take a step towards you. You're already at work. The field is ripe. And you've sent us to reap. And so God, use us. Open our eyes and guide us to those that you're already working in. I pray it would start this week. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week.